welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. have your seat in God's presence. Hebrews chapter 8. Last week we talked about the superiority of Christ and how that Christ is superior and he is he's greater and that God speaks now through Jesus he used to speak through the prophets and the fathers but in these last days, he's speaking to us, to us through his son, Jesus. So we look through chapters 1 to 7 to see the superiority of Christ. We talked about his, the covenant and the redemption that we have in him. And I hope you know that when the Bible has been written, it wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was written as a letter. So when they take the letters and the writings of the prophets, they just read them out to the people in the synagogue or in the temple. So there were no verses and chapters and all that. So we're just long scrolls that were being read. So for better understanding, the translators put chapters and verses and things like that. So the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote a long letter. I explained to us last week how that um, because the the scroll was found among the letters of Paul. It was associated with Paul. And if you do your study, you find that those who um, study the writings, the pattern in which Paul writes, 
is not how the writer in Hebrew wrote. I think it was around 64 AD. That's when it was written. So, so it was generally associated with Paul. But Bible scholars believe otherwise. That it's another um, apostle or so who did that. So chapters 1 to 7 was talking about the superiority of Christ. And it ended in verse 28 of chapter 7 talking about the covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. So if you move to chapter 8, I'll try to do chapter 8 and 9 today. If I can do 10, we will. If you move to chapter 8, it began to talk about what he mentioned before, which is the priesthood of Christ. And then number one, what he did, he now summed up what he had already said from chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. He summed up what he had already said. Now, in the Passion Translation, this is what he says. He says, now this is the crowning point of what we are saying. So all I have been saying from chapters 1 to 7, so it goes to chapter 8. It says, this is the crowning point of what we are saying. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. At the right hand of God. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majesty on high. He serves in the holy sanctuary in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God and not men. So it summed it up that all I have been saying is that this is the crowning point that we have a magnificent king priest. King Jim Basson calls it high priest. Who ministers for us at the right hand of God. So everything I have said from chapters 1 to 7 about the superiority of Christ. Is to get you to know that this Jesus, this Christ I'm talking about. Is the one that ministers for us at the right hand of God. So this is my crowning point. Alright. And then when he says um, before them the necessary parts of the priestly office. That's from chapters uh, three, verse 3 to 5 talks, talking about the priestly office and then thirdly it illustrates the excellency of the priesthood of Christ by considering um, other dispensation and then the covenant that we now have in Christ Jesus as the mediator that's 6 and 2 13 so let's just get right into it hallelujah glory to God so turn your Bibles I'm going to use, um, I like to juggle different translations. So for this study, I'm going to stick with the English Standard Version. English Standard Version, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Okay, I'm going to move between ESV and the Passion Translation and maybe one or two other translations, just for emphasis sake. All right, so... Hebrews 8.1. Now the point is what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister in the holy places. In the true tent that the Lord set up. Not man. 
For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. So he began to talk about the priesthood of Jesus. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since they are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So it explained the priesthood of Jesus. Saying that this Jesus, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest at all. Because we have priests that do these things. But what they are doing is a shadow of the heavenly it's a shadow of what is above because even when moses was given the instruction he was told that make sure you do everything according to how it was shown to you on the mountain so if it was shown to you on the mountain question is where did the original come from it must have come from somewhere so he's saying that this jesus is our priest our high priest forever. So even before the priesthood um, of Moses or whoever and all the other priests, there was a pattern they had to follow. So they couldn't have gotten a pattern on their own. They had to copy something. So they copied what was already existing, which is the, um, the priesthood of Jesus. It's about as it is, verse 6, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold the days are coming declares the Lord. When I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. So this tells us that there is... There is a divine order. There is a plan that God is working with. And that plan primarily resides with Jesus. That no matter how you want to look at it, the covenant that he had with them, he found fault with that covenant. And may I, may I just explain here that when God says that he had a covenant with them, it wasn't like they, they, were, they were capable of fulfilling that covenant. This is what I mean. So the covenant that God had with the children of Israel, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, God was the one, he was the, how do I put it now? You know, when you, when you tell someone, you send someone a, a message or tell someone to do something and then you help the person do it. 
because say okay carry this thing and then you're helping the person to carry so it's obvious that the person cannot so it wasn't like they had the capacity to fulfill the covenant i don't know if you understand what i'm saying so when he says he found fault with the covenant it wasn't like they they did it and they didn't get it right it was not possible for them to get it right that's what i'm saying so no matter how they tried they can't get it right they can't get it right so that's why when 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 they were on the mountain and when moses read the books of the uh, read the commandments to them and all that and then they said all that you have said we are well able to do that got god angry because you can't do it you are you are to depend on me so they said oh if it's that one ah we will do it the ten command we will do it and and of course you know that there are other commandments so they felt that look we are able to do this thing god is telling us we are able to do it so god got angry that really you are able to and then it now begs the question okay if he knows they could not do it why did he give it to them it is the reliance on christ that is the key foundation it's like telling isaac and telling abraham go and sacrifice isaac god knows he can't do it and i want to believe that abraham would have stopped at one point he's a human being and ask god at that point are you really sure but god did not need to wait for him to get to that point the fact that he went and he stood there was enough was enough that's a reliance on christ and then what happened christ showed up anytime we take the commandment of god and we take the covenant that we have in christ jesus and we we present it before god as we are able to do it 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 stops christ from showing up but when you take your relationship with god the covenant you have with christ jesus and you take it before him and present it as lord i can but through christ so my ability is not in myself but through christ that's a better covenant it's not the covenant of we are well able so that's what that's where he found fault with that covenant because if you look at the if you look at the writings and and the the way the way they were he said other priests the priests they perform different sacrifices all right but there was something wrong with that sacrifice so if there was nothing wrong that's what he was saying if there was nothing wrong why was there need for another it means there's something wrong it's not the sacrifice itself that is the problem is the fact that the sacrifice is not tied to Christ. That's why they have to perform it over and over again. It's not tied to Christ.
He said, so they did not continue my covenant, so I showed no concern. Verse 10 now says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declared the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least to them of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish. Glory to God. It's ready to vanish. Let me pull up my note. And then he went on verse 9 to talk about that first covenant. It had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. A tent was there in the first section. It had the lampstand, the table, the bread of the presence, which is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second session, section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold. I did something, I did um, a, a teaching some time ago about how, I think I was talking about worship or something like that. How that the way the, 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 the tent and the tabernacle is designed shows up in your worship when you worship God. So when you come before God, what happens is you come to the outer court. All right. When you're praying, when you're worshiping, you come to the outer court. In that outer court, um, it's still your flesh that is there. So you are in that place. Your flesh is there in the outer court. And the same illustration um, of the temple and, and so same illustration of the tent that, um, that God gave to, to, to Moses. That same illustration happens to you. So you see that in the outer court, everybody's there. All right. And then there's another one. There's an inner court. And then there's the Holy of Holies. Now the priest goes into the Holy of Holies once a year. Once a year. And then when he goes in there, they tie a rope on his leg. So that he goes, when he goes in, peradventure he dies. And then they tug the rope. If he talks back, he's still alive. I don't think I want, I want to be a priest in that time. <laughs> he talks back. He says, okay, I'm still alive. You know, if he doesn't talk back, this one don't die. You pull him back. Because you can't go in there. You can't. So when you're worshipping, that's what happens to you. So where Jesus is, you know, when, when, when Christ died, the Bible says the veil was turned into two. The reason is we now have access through Christ into that place. That's the design of God from the very beginning. But you cannot enter but through Christ. You can't enter but through Christ. So once you get in that place, 
so you, you you start by praying you come to the outer court you you're talking father we just thank you we bless you we give you praise and glory we worship your name and all that I'm always call him i don't want to pick uh yeah praise the lord hey, hey hi how are you doing you're in the outer court all right nothing happens there you can be there for one hour nothing happens but where something really happens is that inner place that's where something really happens. So you move from there, you get into the inner court. You know, you begin to lose consciousness of the environment that you're in. You begin to lose consciousness of the environment you're in. Then you get to a place. Now listen, have you ever been praying and then all of a sudden you, don't, you lack the words to say? You can't speak in tongues. You can't even speak any language that you know. And all you are doing is... <laughs> you are nearing there. And then you get to another point. You can't say anything you can. This is what you begin to do. You don't know. You don't know what's happening. But that's what's happening to you. And you begin to move. You begin to move. What's happening? The Holy Spirit is pulling you. At that point, some people stop. They stop their prayer. They stop their worship. That is the point of the Holy of Holies. That the Holy Spirit is pulling you to enter. And when you get to that point, sometimes you are just lost. No consciousness of anything around you. And you are there for one hour. You know, when you get in the presence of God, the that deep presence of God. You don't talk. It's not that you don't have anything to say. But you can't talk. The presence becomes so overwhelming. That you can't. You, you, you don't know. There's nothing you want to say. That's spirit to spirit connection. And you could be there for hours. And his spirit is ministering to your spirit. And you come out of that place. You have loads of things written down. That's where every believer should get to every now and then. Every now and then. When I pray and I'm still talking. I've not, I've not done, I've not entered. I always look forward to my prayer session where I'm silent. I can't even hear. There may be noise, heavy noise outside, but I can't hear it. Because the spirit has taken you inside. Taking you inside. So I was explaining the priesthood of Jesus. All that from, from verse 1 up onto verse 10. Look at verse 8. It explains this. It says, By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened. As long as the first section is still standing. Which is symbolic of the present age. According to these arrangements, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. But 
deal only with food and drinks and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. So all that, all that, all that um, ceremony, all that sacrifice and everything, everything is to bring us to a place where we see our redemption through the blood of Christ. That's why it says in verse 11, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and cows, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption so there was no way the children of israel would have made sacrifices and sacrifices upon sacrifices to get into that better covenant no because it was not possible for that to happen it would only take the blood of jesus to bring them to that place it would only that's why they found god found fault with that covenant Because it could only take the blood of Jesus. And then he began to explain how the Jesus becomes the mediator from verse 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a debt has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the debt of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only after death. Only at death. Since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. You know, say, imagine the old covenant. It was a ritual. If I perform it here now, you all will call police for me. Imagine I come in here and I bring one goat and one ram and I slaughter it here. I'm not sure on Sunday I will see anybody here. But that was what they were doing. And then take the blood, sprinkle it on the book, sprinkle it on the people, sprinkle it. I mean, it was a blood, blood, blood everywhere. Blood, 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 blood. So, it was a blood everywhere. Those, the, 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 the temple and the places of worship in the old covenant looks like today's shrine, Amadioha shrine. That's how it looks like. Blood everywhere, blood everywhere. So, you ask yourself, is it that, I mean, so if people are doing it now, why is God angry with them? The reason he's angry with them, because he's no longer there. He's no longer there. So, it now becomes evil. Because God is no longer there. That's why I tell people, 
there's nothing called an idol. An idol is nothing. It's humans that give it power. It's absolutely nothing. See, somebody comes somewhere, it take, it take chicken, break the thing, do like this, do like this. After I finish, I'll give you a, a granola toy. Please fry the chicken, let's eat. Because it's nothing. It's absolutely not. If you, when I was, I, I, when I was reading through the old covenant, I was like, I was seeing some crazy, crazy things. You, you take the, 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 I don't know if you guys have read it before. I've read it. You take the, the, a bird, like a dove or something, you break the neck. It's in scripture. You break the neck. You sprinkle it seven times that they used to do in Amodia. Yes, seven, it's Bible, they found it. You sprinkle it seven times. You take the blood, put it on the, on the earlobe. Put it on the earlobe. It's in scripture. Go and read. That's where they found it. So demons hijacked all those things. Because it has to follow a pattern. Where did they see the pattern? Where did they see the pattern? So the writer in, in Hebrews was trying to explain. You know, I, I said last week that they were losing faith. In, in their Christian walk. So he had to explain to them different precepts of the law. How to explain to them how that, look, what you were doing before, there is a better covenant now. There's a better practice now. And that practice is in Jesus. So you don't have to sacrifice goats and, I mean, everybody's coming for, for church in the old covenant. Everybody's carrying their goats. Pastor, you carry two goats. You carry one for Amaris. Perhaps Amaris had sinned the, over the night. Carry the goat. Bara too will carry his own goat. Everybody cover. So everybody sacrificing goat, sacrificing goat. And then once they do that, they remove the intestines and everything, take it out somewhere. The priest, like me now, come and sit down. They'll roast it. I'll eat. <laughs> that was. I'm sure those priests were very fat those days because they were just eating meat. <laughs> but that was what they were doing. So he's telling them now, look, those things are no more. Jesus is now your firm foundation. Jesus has now shed his blood and that blood is an eternal sacrifice. Eternal redemption. He had to the writer had to explain to them so they will understand that, look, no more should you live by the old covenant. There is a new covenant, a new living better way through Christ. And that, that blood that he shed, he shed once and for all. Never again to be shed. Never again to be shed. It says, so Christ, in verse 28, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Who are eagerly waiting for him. And then verse 10. Remember, I'm talking about the superiority of Christ's ministry. He had talked, he had explained to them how that Christ is superior. Now he's saying that look, the priest 
compared to Christ, Christ has a more superior ministry. Superior. That's why he took his time to explain the functions of the priests, what they were doing in the, in the tabernacle, how they would sacrifice this. But Christ's own blood is more precious than that. So verse 10, it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, Make those who draw near. Make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, will they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? Hmm. That's a deep one. He said, if they, all that they've been offering... Year after year, year after year, year after year. He said if they've been cleansed, would they not have no consciousness of sins? It means that what, what, the, what the old covenant was trying to do was to bring man to a place where he doesn't have any consciousness of sin. But that wasn't possible until the blood of Jesus came. So that's why, look at what he said in verse 3. He said, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body have you prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure but that's what he was doing they were doing before burnt offerings sin offerings grain offering uh tell me the other offerings there are plenty of those of you that are struggling with one free will offering in the old covenant Grain offering, sin offering. Um, tell me now, what are those offerings? Peace offering. Every kind of offering that you can think of. Every kind. And it comes with blood, goat, um, bird, dove, turtle dove. All those things. It comes with those things. It comes with those things. Why? Just to bring you to a place where you don't have any consciousness of sin. But he said, after you've done that, it's not over. Next year, you'll still bring another one. But Christ came. Shed his blood once and for all. Never again to be shed. That's what you and I are enjoying. That's the better covenant. That's the better covenant. And he says, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Which can never take away sins, but they kept doing it. 
they kept doing it so temporarily 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 this is the way one of my mentors explained the 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 blood of jesus it says the blood of jesus is like a waterfall that that falls continually all right now that blood has been shed the bible says that um the blood was shed for all of mankind so that waterfall is there as long as you stay under the waterfall, I don't care the amount of debt anybody pours on you. You remain clean. That's why God can look down on you and not see your debt. Because he sees the blood of Jesus continually on you. What happens to people is that people are the ones that see their debt. Not God. No, they see their own death and they think that that's the eyes of God. You are, jo- you are joking. Because the sacrifice of Jesus cannot be undone. Pastor, ah, does that, that, that not give people the license to misbehave their business? The blood of Jesus is the blood of Jesus. It's not your blood. So it's a waterfall. So what people do is that they come away from the waterfall and then they see how dirty they are. They see how unkept they are. But the longer you stay under the waterfall, you see yourself through his eyes. And that's how he sees you. That's how he sees the world. Because the blood of Jesus is an eternal sacrifice. An eternal sacrifice. Verse 14 says, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart. Excuse me. I will put my laws in their heart. And write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So if the one who is saying this, say, I will remember no more. And you, you are choosing to remember, you have the date, the time. You have the environment, what happened that day. And you tell yourself, I will never forget. God has forgotten. You are choosing to remember. So the writer brought them to this point after explaining to them that look, the sacrifices that have been made, it's no longer required because the blood of Jesus is here. They now brought them to this point and said, therefore brothers, since you have confidence to enter the holy scenes, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest, Over the house of God. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So at this point, some of them have left the gathering together. At this point, some of them have, you know, gone their ways. I said, no, we don't have to gather together and all that. We are so filthy, we are so dirty and all that. We don't have to be there. He says, no, that this is our confidence in Christ Jesus. So because of that, we hold our confession with hope. We hold our confession and we stir up one another and we encourage one another. No, let's come together. Let's meet together. Let's, let's not allow this person go astray. No, come. I say, no, I don't feel like coming because I, I, I did something really terrible. No, you don't understand. There is a blood wash, Jesus. There's, a, there's the blood of Jesus that is over you. And, and that blood is constant. It's an eternal sacrifice. And that blood will wash you continually. And they say, oh, really? Really? Oh, now I can come. Now I can come. And he went further to explain to them that look, Jesus has trampled down the enemy and he has dealt a decisive, complete blow to the enemy and has put us in a position where we can receive the promise. Because there is a reward. So he says that, that thing that you have is a confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. It's a confidence. It's a confidence. Verse 35. Therefore do not throw away your confidence. Which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God. You may receive what he promised. For yet a little while. And the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Glory to God. It's so, it's so comforting to know that in time past there were people who had this experience. There were people who um, didn't really... Um, you know, who were struggling with their faith and they wanted to turn away. But then someone thought it right to send them this letter explaining to them that, look, you don't have to be weary in your faith. You have hope in Christ Jesus and that he's your comforter. He's your all in all. He's your cornerstone. And the sacrifice that he has made for you is eternal. And that should not take you away from his presence. It should bring you closer to him. Closer to him. Closer to him. Glory to God. I want to stop here tonight. The supremacy of Christ's ministry. The superiority rather of Christ's ministry. Stand to your feet church. That last verse says, We're not of them that draw back. We're not of them that draw back. We're not of them that draw back. 
Glory to God. HOP, you're going to help me. While I was meditating and preparing, that song was so strong on my heart. And I, I just knew that I just began to relieve the experience of what Christ has done, of what He has done. It's, it's amazing. You need to see it in the light of the eyes of God. It just frees you from every kind of struggle. It frees you. It frees you from every kind of struggle. Media, you can help me with the, with the lyrics so that the people can. Glory to God. My comforter My all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone My hope is found He is my life my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I stand message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.